are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Online at BethanyNaz.org. Let's talk for a few minutes about the series that we're in, Healing Conversations, okay? How many of you watched either the presidential or the vice presidential debates over the last couple of weeks? Just raise your hand really high. If you're online, get involved with your online pastor. Would you describe those conversations as healing conversations? I don't think so. So what what are the elements that do make a conversation a healing conversation? So a few weeks ago, we talked about trust being one of the elements. Do you remember what the next week we talked about being an element in a healing conversation? Did I hear humility? (laughs) In my dreams, I'm hearing hundreds of people say, yes, we remember every sermon you've ever preached that was humility. And then we talked last week about self-disclosure being an important element in a healing conversation. And today we will talk about another element, okay? So we kind of confessed a couple of weeks ago. There are some people that I'm a little leery of entering into a political conversation with them because I don't know that it would be a healing conversation. Or maybe you would say there are some people that I would be a little slow to enter into a healing, into a conversation rather about the pandemic. Because I don't know that that would be a, a good, healthy, or healing conversation. Or there's some people I would be careful to enter into a conversation about race relations. Because I don't know that that would be a healing conversation. However, we as followers of Jesus feel a calling to lead the way in having meaningful, healthy, healing conversations with others. And we desire to do that. I'm going to challenge you for a minute. Could I do that? To say that I believe this series is a little deeper than what I'm saying now for you. Because I believe that this series affects every relationship in your life. So how many of you would say, I think that I could use a few more healing conversations with my spouse. Or I could use a few more healing conversations with my kids or with my parents or with some of my closest friends or with my coworkers or with members of my extended family. And so here's where it all came home for me, all right? Yesterday I attended the funeral of Marissa Murrah. Marissa was only 19 years old, and she lost her life in an accident that was caused by a drunk driver. So my favorite line that I heard at the funeral yesterday was, Marissa wasn't expecting to leave this world this early, but she was ready. And over this last week, I've listened over and over again to songs that I found on Facebook that she was singing, songs of worship that she was singing to her Father, to her Lord, to her God. And she has fed my soul. Here's what I decided, because I can't help but think about my own girls, Brittany and Morgan. If something happened to one of my girls... Like what happened to Marissa. I would sure hope. That my last conversations with them. 
would have been healing conversations. That's why I'm trying to say to you this morning that what we're talking about is so relevant to where you're living your life today and to every relationship that you engage in. And so I want you to lean in this morning. And I want you to hear what God might be trying to say to you through His Word as we focus on healing conversations. So, are we ready? Here we go. We're in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. And in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, Luke reminds us of Jesus' teaching in what we call the Sermon on the Mount, or the Sermon, as Luke says, on the plain. Now, lots of people come to hear Jesus. Disciples, people who are already following Jesus. But then Luke says there was also this great number of people. Why would a great number of people come? Luke says, well, they came for two reasons. They came to hear him teach. And Luke says they also came because they were in need of healing. In fact, Luke says that people were trying to touch him. So many people were trying to touch him because there was so much power coming from him. Everybody was getting healed. So it's in this Sermon on the Mount that Jesus breaches this conversation about our hearts. The very seat of who we are, the very core of our being, who you and I really are. And in the conversation, he answers a powerful question. And the question that he answers is, how do I know what is really in my heart? How do I know what kind of a heart I really have? What kind of a person I really am? And Jesus says, it's simple. It's easy. It's not a mystery. You don't go through your life trying to figure this out. It's not difficult. You can know what kind of a heart you have. And Jesus says the way you know what kind of a heart you have is by looking in the, your life at the fruit it produces. So what do you mean? It, he means this. Um, do you tell the truth? Do you lie? Are you trustworthy? Are you not to be trusted? Are you humble? Are you arrogant? Are, are you loving? What others say about you, not very loving. Are you kind? Are you unkind to people? Are you self-centered? Or would you say, no, I'm more centered on other people and their needs? And Jesus says, well, there you go. <laughs> now you know what kind of a heart you have. It simply depends on what your life is producing. So let me say it another way. How many times do you think you look in a mirror on a given day? So if you asked me, I think I would have answered not very many. But as I begin to think about it, I realized I probably look into the mirror many times on a given day. I don't know why I do this, but when I get up in the morning and I'm headed to the bathroom, I look over at the mirror. It's kind of like I'm just saying, hey, how you doing? Morning. <laughs> don't look at yourself when you first get out of bed. It's not great. Hair is disheveled. You feel a little puffy. It's not good, you know. 
But then as I'm getting ready, I look in the mirror several times. And then as I move through my day, every time I go to the restroom, I look in the mirror as I'm walking out of the restroom. Every time I get on the elevator at work, I look in the mirror. Every time I brush my teeth, I look in the mirror. I don't know how many times I look in the mirror every day, but it's a lot. Many times when I look in the mirror, I don't love what I see. Can I get a witness in the house? But you know what I never say when I don't love what I see? Hey, Annette, we got to get better mirrors in this house. Because I don't like what I see. Because here's what I know. A mirror only does one thing. It reflects what's in front of it. And it doesn't lie. All mirrors do is reflect what stands in front of them. That's all they do. And they don't lie. And so if you understand that, you're going to understand this. Our behavior only reflects what is in our hearts. The way that we live our lives, the things that we do and the things that we say are a reflection of our hearts. And sometimes I really don't like my behavior and sometimes I'm really disappointed in myself. And it's hard for me to admit this truth, but it's a reflection of what is in my heart. And what I find myself in those moments doing is wishing my heart was different. Because I sometimes don't like what's in my heart. My behavior, the way that I live my life, the words that I say, the things that I do, is simply a reflection of what's in my heart. And so let me take you to Jesus' words, because those are His, not mine, okay? Luke chapter 6, beginning with verse 43. Only three verses today. So we're going to dive in deep. Here we go. No good tree, Jesus says, bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree, Jesus says, is recognized by its own fruit, just like our behavior is reflected in our heart. Jesus says, here's what I mean by that. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes. And you don't pick grapes from briars. You pick them from grapevines. And here's the application. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up where? In the heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil that's stored up where? In the heart. And then Jesus goes directly to what we're talking about today. Conversations with each other. And here's what he says. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Whatever comes out of the mouth is what's in the heart. If it's not in the heart, it can't work its way out of your mouth. It's one of my favorite verses that Jesus ever said, and I wish you would commit it to memory and remember it the rest of your life. Say it with me. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Another translation says, out of the overflow of the mouth, the heart speaks. 
And so whatever's coming out of our mouths, it's what's in our hearts. So our behavior, what we do, how we live our lives, and what we say is only a reflection of what's in our hearts. All right, so let's do a little drill together. See how good you are at horticulture. Are you ready? Do your best. If you don't get it right, I'm not going to judge you for it. Just give me your best shot at this, okay? I'm going to put a picture of a tree on the screen. You try to tell me what kind of a tree it is. You ready? Here we go. Oh, you guys are good. Let me give you one more and see how good you are at this. Oh, man, you guys are 100% so far. That's what makes the illustration so awesome. It's because Jesus is brilliant in just making it really simple. And here's what he says. He says, every tree is recognized by its fruit. So when I put the picture of apples on an apple tree, you say, well, that's an apple tree. If I put the picture of oranges hanging from a tree, you say, well, it's an orange tree because we know that every tree is recognized by its fruit, right? Now lean in. It's also true for people. It's true for you. And it's true for me. So people witness the way that we live our lives. They watch what we do. And they listen to what we say. And guess what? They have a really good idea of who we are at the very core of our being. I wonder if at times we think maybe we've got people fooled. And they're shaking their heads saying, nope. (laughs) I think I know who you are. Because we are known by our fruit. And our fruit is a reflection of what's in our hearts. So, Jesus goes on to say, here's how it works. A good man brings good things out of the good that's stored up in their hearts. So, when I see people doing good things, and when I see people being compassionate, and when I see people being concerned, when I see people loving other people, and when I see people forgiving other people, when I see people looking like Jesus and the way they live their lives, I realize that's coming out of the good in their hearts. That doesn't come from anywhere else. But Jesus says the flip side is true. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in their hearts. And so when I see people being mean-spirited, and when I see people being hateful, and when I see people mistreating other people, and when I see people using conversations to hurt others, I realize it's coming out of a heart that is full of evil. You can't get that stuff anywhere else. It all comes from our hearts. And so if you're at a place in your life today and you're saying, you know, I kind of want to know how my life is going and how I'm living and how I'm doing, how I'm getting along and how I'm functioning. Well, Jesus says there's one way to surefire know. And that's to look at the fruit that your life is producing. Do you lie? Do you tell the truth? Are you humble? Are you arrogant? Are you unkind to people? Are you kind? 
Do you love others deeply? Do you not love others so deeply? Are you terribly self-centered and selfish? Or do you find yourself putting the needs of others above your own? And Jesus says it's not a mystery. (laughs) It's not hard to figure out. It's not like you have to go through your life just kind of confused and wondering what your heart is like. In fact, Jesus says it another way. And I love these words. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Go with me on a missions trip to Africa for 10 days. And when you get home, you're going to say, I think I know what Rick is like. Because for 10 days, I'm going to talk. And the mouth only speaks what the heart is full of. And after 10 days, you're going to be able to say, I know that guy pretty well. I think I know what he's like. So let me just reason with you for a minute, okay? If our behavior... The way we live our lives and what we say and what we do is a reflection of what's in our hearts. Then it's not about changing my behavior. It's about God changing my heart. My behavior, if my heart is back here, is never going to keep up, right? I mean, I can try to do self-help stuff and try to get better at things. But the truth is, my heart is my heart and my behavior is a reflection of my heart. And so if my behavior is truly a reflection of what's in my heart, then it's not about just trying to change my behavior. It's about God changing my heart. So years ago, I moved to Nashville to pastor a church, 25 or more years ago. And, and I was sitting in my office one day, this little bitty office, up behind the, the, uh, the stage of the, the church, kind of off in the corner, a little concrete block office, and my phone rings. And so I picked up the phone because years ago, that's how you would answer a phone. I know that's foreign to some people, but I picked up the phone, I said hello, and the guy on the other end said, Pastor Rick, and I said, yes, he said, I'm Pastor Mike. I pastor a church only about three miles down the road from you. And I thought maybe if we were going to pastor churches so close together, we should get to know each other. Maybe we could become friends. I would love to take you to lunch. I said, sure. So it was 25 years ago or so, and we're still friends today. We're close friends. Now, I don't want to exaggerate. But I think he might have asked me, 75 to 100 questions at that lunch. I mean, he just had more questions than I could answer. And every once in a while, I'd feel bad because the conversation was all about me and I would try to flip the conversation back to him. But, but I just think he was better at asking questions than I was. You know what I mean? And so I just kind of opened my heart. I didn't feel like he was prying. I didn't feel uncomfortable with it at all. I just felt like he was genuinely interested in me. I felt like he believed that I was worth knowing. And we all need people in our lives who ask meaningful questions. And we all need people in our lives who ask, how are you doing? No, really, how are you really doing? And I think all of us need people in our lives who have the gift of what Dave Roberts calls in his book, Healing Conversations, what he calls curiosity. Are you curious? Because Dave goes on to say it's not just about pretending to be curious or interested in somebody else. 
It's coming from this belief in your heart where you are convinced that other people are truly worth knowing. And so it's going to get real here, okay? I've come into the room with a question for you. And and here's my question. We're talking about what's in our hearts. And we're talking about being curious in conversations and genuinely being interested in the other person. And so here's the question. Are our hearts sometimes so full of ourselves that our own story dominates our conversations and we really aren't all that interested in the people around us or what they might have to say? I know it sounds a little more like an indictment than a question. I don't mean it to be. I really want you just to think with me. Are we and our hearts so full of ourselves that our own story dominates our conversations to the point that we really aren't all that interested in the people around us or what they might have to say? We're kind of consumed with ourselves. Jesus says... (laughs) The heart speaks what the mouth is full of. And if we only talk about ourselves, then it tells us what our hearts are full of, right? Self-centeredness. If that's the case, then here's what we have to do. We must ask God to move us from being self-centered to being other-centered. Can I move from being so self-focused to being others-focused? If my behavior is really... The way that I live my life and what I do and what I say, if it's really a reflection of what's in my heart, then it's not about changing my behavior. It's about asking God to change my heart. And it's asking God, can you somehow move me from being so self-centered to being more others-centered with my life? See, we're we're not talking about just looking for somebody who is curious, who wants to hear my story. We're talking about becoming curious in other people's stories. So, I feel like for me to preach this sermon is like the blind leading the blind. Because I talk way too much. And often I talk too much about me. In fact, I'm talking about me right now, this very minute. So there are listeners and there are talkers. There are people who talk more than they listen. There are people who listen more than they talk. So which category would you be in? If you're online, I wish you would communicate with your online pastor right now. And those of you in the room, how many of you would consider yourselves, I think, Pastor Rick, I'm a talker. I talk more than I listen. Just hand really high on it. Be proud of it. Don't shy behind it. Keep them up. We're counting right now. One, two. Come on. Are you really? Come on. Hands up. If you're a talker more than a listener, go ahead. Own it. Just that's who I am. How many of you would say, I'm a listener? I think I listen more than I talk. Would you just... How many of you did not participate in this whole thing? Just raise your hand really high in the air. So I'm, I'm much more of a talker than I am a listener. And sometimes I've come to understand that one of my favorite subjects to talk about is me. And I, and I listen to this sermon that I'm preaching right now, and I'm just telling you from my heart that I have a goal. I want to I wanna live in a better way. I want to live the Jesus way. 
I want to practice healing conversations. And I know in my heart that one of the elements in healing conversations is curiosity. And I want people to spend time with me. And when they walk away, I want them to say, Pastor Rick was really interested in me. That's what I want. And so I've got to remind you of a breakfast that I had about a year ago with my friend Jim. And Jim says to me, hey, Rick, I made a decision about where I want my life to go. And I said, really? Well, you've, you, you've got me. I'm all ears. Where, where do you want your life to go? And here's what he said to me. I've decided that I want to be more interested than interesting. And man, out of a sincere heart, Jim says to me, I've spent my whole life trying to be interesting to people. When what they really wanted and needed me to be was interested. All of my life I've tried to be interesting. And what people were begging for was for me to be interested. You ever been to a counselor? I mean, made an appointment, gone to see a counselor. What was that like? Did they talk a lot? Generally, they don't. Generally, they listen a lot. And they ask really good questions. Generally, they're very curious people. And we gladly pay them to listen. Every day, millions of people make appointments with counselors. And they go into their offices and they sit down. And they have their undivided attention. Because they know that the counselor is going to listen to me. And they're going to ask really good questions. And they're going to try to help me to understand all of this that is bound up in the recesses of my soul. See, I think the fact that that practice exists in our society is a testament that you and I are individuals who long to be heard. And we have a need for people with the gift of curiosity in our lives. And therefore, we have a responsibility to be curious. Do you know why I think some people don't talk much? I think they're convinced nobody's really interested in what they have to say. I think they're convinced we're more interested in what we have to say. But you and I know that if we're going to engage in healing conversations, and as the church of Jesus Christ, if we're going to lead the way in healing conversations, we're going to have to be more curious. And we're going to have to come to believe in our hearts that people are worth being known. 
And so, if our behavior, how we live our lives and what we do and what we say to people is a reflection of what's in our hearts, then it's not about changing my behavior. It's about God changing my heart. And it's saying, God, would you help me to be less self-centered and more others-centered? You want to bow your heads with me? I, I am feeling like I need God to change me. Others in the room may be feeling that. I am embarrassed at how my story has dominated conversations over the years. And I have failed to listen and ask questions. So just pray as you feel like you need to pray. And if you don't need to pray for yourself, pray for me. I would also like to take a moment to say that that, that maybe you say, Rick, when I hear you talk about living this way, that's a community I want to be a part of. If that's the church, I want in the church. Maybe you don't consider yourself a follower of Jesus today, but you want to become a follower of Jesus. And so I'm going to invite you in a moment to pray a prayer with me. Because you may be saying the work that you're talking about wanting God to do in your heart, I want God to do that in my heart. And I want to enter into a relationship with the Father where that He will have the right to work in me and change me. So just pray this with me. Lord, I'm asking you to work in my life too. For any sin that I've ever committed, I ask for your forgiveness. For all the selfishness, I ask for your forgiveness. For all the self-centeredness, Lord, I ask for your forgiveness. Come into my heart. Make my life, my heart right with you, God. From this day forward, I want to follow Jesus and His way. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at BethanyNaz.org.